We're going to continue in our study. We started two weeks ago uh, looking at five great men in the Bible. We're going to spend uh, five weeks on each of these men. It's going to take us about a half a year uh, to pass through this study, but we're looking at these five uh, great men in the Bible. And I'll just tell you, I'm excited about this study for several reasons, but one of the, one of the reasons is because uh, these men, if, as, you, as you hear them, they are remembered as mighty men. They're remembered as having done uh, tremendous things, great things. And thousands of years later, we're still talking about those men. Uh, there, there's folks that live and come and go and, and pass in and out, and we're not even aware of them. These guys, thousands of years later, we're still talking about these guys. Now, what is encouraging to me is to see, uh, as tremendous as they were, as, as great as the things that they did, they were just people like us. They were just men like us. They had issues just like us. They had problems. They had things that sprung up just like us. Sometimes they failed, sometimes miserably, just like we do. They were men just like us. And I'll, I'll tell you, that is, that is an encouraging thing to me. I can tell you the most awesome thing uh, that could ever be, I truly believe, is that when you finish your life, whenever that is, uh, for folks to be able to say, what well, that guy right there was great in the cause of our Savior, Jesus Christ. And, and whatever age you live to be, when, when they finished, unless Jesus has come back, for people to be able to say, well, that guy right there, he was great in the cause of Jesus Christ. Well, as we study these guys, we see, you know what, we hold that potential. We have that possibility, and that's, that's pretty tremendous. Where you sit today, whatever age you are, you have that potential. You have that possibility to be counted as great for the cause of Christ. You know what? You can build a tremendous business. A couple, couple generations, nobody will care. You can do a bunch of great things. You can please yourself, have a bunch of comfort. You know what? It's going to pass away. Nobody will care. The greatest thing is that folks can say, what that guy, that person was great for the cause of Jesus Christ. Well, we have that potential. We have that possibility. Even all of us sitting here today. Last week we started with the life of Abraham. Again, we're going to spend five weeks, five episodes looking at the life of Abraham. This is going to be the second look at the life of Abraham. Last week, remember we were introduced to Abraham. He is forever known as the man of faith. The book of Hebrews, he's forever known as the man of faith. Well, we're introduced to him in Genesis chapter 11. Uh, somehow God got his attention. I'm not sure how he got his attention. Somehow God revealed himself to Abram. That was his name when he starts off. And then in Genesis chapter 12 last week, we see that God calls him to leave everything. And honestly, to absolutely leave everything. His family, his future, his career, to leave everything. And the Bible says to go to a land that I will show you. We see last week in Genesis 12 that Abram does that. And I think if we're not careful, we'll miss what a tremendous act of obedience that was. What a radical act of obedience that was. He leaves. He actually leaves everything that he knew. He left everything behind to go to a place that God said he would show him. We saw last week, and remember this, this is a pretty huge thing. His obedience comes from the fact that he trusts God. Think about that for a second. He knows what he is leaving. His family, his career, really his future, his people, 
he knows what he is leaving, but he has no idea where he's going. It says, to a place that I will show you. He trusts God. And then here's the reoccurring thing, and we saw it last week, and really as we look at these guys, and we look at these episodes, we're going to see it over and over again, and here's the reoccurring truth. You won't obey God if you do not trust God. Well, sometimes we talk about, I'm having a problem with obedience, or I'm not sure I want to obey in this situation. Well, understand, you will not obey God if you do not trust God, and you will not trust God if you do not know God. That is the huge truth that we're going to see through all these lessons. You know what? You're not going to obey God if you don't trust Him. And there's no way you will trust Him if you do not know Him. And we know that we know Him through His Word. What is God like? How do we know He's faithful? How do we know He's trustworthy? We know Him through His Word. Well, today we come to the second episode. We see His obedience. We see that He trusts God. We see that He trusts God because somehow He knows God. And that brings us to our second episode. Now, let me, let me go ahead and tell you this. I do not like this next episode. I would like to skip this next episode. You're about to see why. I honestly would like to pass over and skip this episode. Let me tell you this. I wish it had never happened. I wish what we're about to study, what we're about to talk about, had never happened. I do not like it. I don't understand it. I would like to skip it. Yet it is very important. Yet it is important that we look at it. Understand, where we left off, Abraham has obeyed. He has shown great trust in God. He has made it to the promised land, the land that God promised that he would lead him to. And we finish up, he is actually worshiping God. Those last verses, he builds an altar to God. And we find Abraham, he's been obedient. He has sought to honor God. And now he is worshiping God. And that's where we end off last week. He is worshiping the one true God. And then listen to our verses today. We're in chapter 12. I'm going to start in the 10th verse. Here, here it goes. Now there was a famine in the land. So Abram went down to Egypt to sojourn there. For the famine was severe in the land. Now understand, here, here in the land, he gets there and there's a severe famine. There's no food. There's no food for the livestock. And so the Bible says he goes down to Egypt now, there's the Nile River there. There's irrigation out of the Nile River. Now, they didn't suffer from the famine there. And it says he leaves there to go down to Egypt to sojourn there. That word in the original language translates to travel around there. So understand, he goes there not to stay. He goes there not to make a home. But he says he's going to go there and travel around there, sojourn there until the famine is over. So he's just going to try to outlast the famine. There's a drought in the land. There's a famine in the land. He heads down to Egypt. He's going to travel around there to outlast the famine. Now, I'll, I'll go ahead and point out here. There are some that say his problem was he went where God never told him to go. And I, I don't know if you've ever heard a sermon like that. Well, God told him to go to this land. He never told him to go to Egypt. And his problem was he went where God didn't tell him where to go. Understand, as I look at the scripture, it never says that. It never says that God was displeased that he went to Egypt. So I don't think we're able to say that. I think the natural thing happened. We're starving to death here. There's nothing to eat here. And so he goes down to Egypt where he can find relief. There's a drought. He heads south. He goes to Egypt. 
and he decides to outweigh the famine. Verse 11. It came about when he came near to Egypt that he said to Sarah, and his wife is going to be named Sarah, her name's going to change later, that he said to Sarah, his wife, See now, I know that you are a beautiful woman. Here in verse 11, we start to see he is hatching a plan. He knows Sarah. He knows that she is a beautiful woman. I was tell you, she must have been strikingly so, that he, know, he knows they're going to see it, that it's going to be easily identifiable. And so he begins here in verse 11, devising a plan. They're going to see, Sarah, that you are a beautiful woman. Verse 12. And when the Egyptians see you, they will say, this is his wife, and they will kill me, but they will let you live. In, in verse 12, he fears that they're going to see her. When they see how beautiful she is, they're just going to kill him, and they're going to take her. And so here, here in verse 12, we see he has a great fear, but notice this, it's for himself. He's self-focused. This is all about self-preservation. He's not fearful for Sarah. No, we're going to get there. They're going to see how beautiful you are. They're going to kill me and they're going to take you. He fears for himself. He begins to think about the, the potential for harm to himself. And he's starting to think in self-preservation. Verse 13. Please say that you're my sister so that it may go well with me because of you and that I may live on account of you. Verse 13, you start to see his plan unfold. He says, tell them when we get there that you're my sister. Don't tell them you're my wife. Tell them you're my sister so they won't kill me. If they think I'm your husband, they're going to kill me. Would you please, he says, would you please tell them you're my sister. Now, I'll just, I'll just go ahead and be honest with you when I read this. I hate this. I actually hate the plan that he hatches. And I, I read this plan and, and I honestly think, what a coward. What, what a total coward. Why, why didn't he stand up for his wife? You know what? Why didn't he protect his wife? Why isn't he willing to even die for his wife? You know what? We may go down here. We may run into some trouble and they may try to take you. They may take you, but they're going to do it over my dead body. But he plans to live. He plans for self-preservation at the expense of his wife. He starts a plan to lie to them and, and to deceive them. Verse 14. It came about when Abram came into Egypt, the Egyptians saw the woman was very beautiful. Just as he suspected, it starts to happen. They come down to Egypt. They see that Sarai is very beautiful, just as he thought. Verse 15. Pharaoh's officials saw her and praised her to Pharaoh. And the woman was taken into Pharaoh's house. Verse 15 says, the, the men of, of Pharaoh's company, those men that served him, they came back one day and said, man, there's a, there's a woman in town. There's a woman that's, that's traveled into our area. And man, you ought to see her. You ought to see how beautiful she is. And they start to tell Pharaoh about the beauty of this woman. It says this, and she is taken into his house. Evidently he said, you know what, I'd like to have her and go and secure her. And so those men, they go and she is taken into his house. Verse 16. Therefore he treated Abram well for her sake and gave him sheep and oxen and donkeys and male and female servants and male 
donkeys and camels. Verse 16, we see this. Pharaoh is so glad over Sarai that he blesses Abram. He's so glad to have her. He's so glad that, that she's with him that he starts to give much wealth, all these things, donkeys and camels, slaves. He starts to bless Abram because he's so pleased, he's so glad with Sarah. Now, I want you to notice this, and I really hadn't thought of this until I was looking at this today. Abraham's wealth starts here. I don't know that I ever had ever add that up. Did you know when he left, he left everything? When he came into the land, he had nothing. And so he travels in with nothing, and then all of a sudden this account takes place. Understand, this is how he gets rich. This is Abraham, the richest man, when he travels, his, his, his riches grow, and we see the next event with Lot. He's a rich man. He is known forever as a rich man. This is how he gets rich. Sarai's in the Pharaoh's house, and he is benefiting, he is profiting for what is happening to her. Here, here's what I imagine, I, and I, this is why I don't like this story, and I, and I really can't read this story and not imagine this. Imagine Sarah, Sarah, in this. Can you imagine when he says, would you tell him you're my sister? And she starts to think, well, this is what my husband thinks of me, and this is all, he's going to protect me. And can you imagine as they start to take her and these guys show up and say, you know what, Pharaoh wants you for his own. And they, they start to usher her around and she watches as Abraham sits over there. Can you imagine, I don't know if this is how it happens, can you imagine those guys load her up in a, in a chariot and they're going to start to ride back to, to the Pharaoh's palace. And as she looks back and as she sees her husband as she rides away in the chariot. Real good, nice, good job, Abram. Can you imagine her heart as she leaves and he stays there. Well, thankfully, the, the, the account doesn't end there. God intervenes, verse 17. But the Lord struck Pharaoh in his house with great plague because of Sarah, Abram's wife. Great trouble comes upon Pharaoh and his household. Great distress, and it's because God intervenes, great trouble comes on the household of, of Pharaoh. Verse 18. Then Pharaoh called Abram and said, What is this you've done to me? Why did you not tell me she was your wife? Verse 19. Why did you say she is my sister so that I took her for my wife? Now then, here is your wife. Take her and go. We've had enough of this. Take her and go. Verse 20. Pharaoh commanded his men concerning him, and they escorted him away with his wife and all that belonged to him. Pharaoh says, why did you do this to us? Why did you lie? I didn't know this was the, this was the case. And he tells his men, load them up and escort them out of Egypt. I do not like this account. This account, when you think about the, the individuals, especially Sarah, makes me sick in my stomach. When I think about the hurt that she had to endure, this account makes me sick to my stomach. I don't, I don't like it at all. However, I want to tell you this today. It is very, very important. And I believe God records it for a very important reason. I believe God preserves it for a very important reason. I want you to be very sure of this. He could have left it out. Do you understand? It's been thousands of years. He could have left this out. He could have let this episode fade away as it was washed out in the sands of time. And yet he keeps it at the forefront of the story of Abraham. 
He could have let it go. He didn't have to remind us. And yet God puts it, he records it, he preserves it in the forefront in the story of Abraham. There's some deep things for us to see. And I want you to listen very carefully. There's some very deep things for us to see in this account. I don't like it, but God puts it in for a reason. First thing is this. We're going to see three important things. First thing is this. We have to learn to trust God more than to fear the circumstances around us. That's the first thing we learn from this episode. We have to learn to trust God more than we fear the circumstances around us. Now be sure to understand, be sure to see this. That's how this whole thing got started. He, he started to be fearful. He started to be scared. You know what? They're going to see her and they're going to take my life and I don't know how this is going to turn out. And here we are strangers in this country. He is fearful. That's how this whole thing starts. Be sure today, listen very carefully. We have to learn to trust God, to totally trust God more than we fear our circumstances. You know what, God, I don't understand this. I don't see how this is ever going to turn out. It doesn't look like it's going to be very good for me, but I know you, and so I trust you. We have to totally trust God. We have to learn that more than we fear our circumstances. That's the first thing. The second thing is this, and this is a, this is a, a, a profound thing. Second thing is this. Great people fail because all people fail. That's the second thing we need to see. Great people fail because all people fail. People fail. Listen, that's, that's the terrible reality. I, I had hopes that they wouldn't fail. That's the sad truth. All people fail. Great people fail because all people fail. In the New Testament, it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, be careful lest you yourself should fall. You know what? Sometimes we start thinking, what, what, I've grown enough. I've been doing this long enough. I feel like I'm on pretty solid ground. The, the Bible says, God says, be careful lest you yourself should fall. I want you to listen very carefully. It's not if you fail. It's not if you fail. It is what you do when you fail. Here's the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And this is different because we have a, a perspective of holding the New Testament. Here's, here's the good news of the gospel. God forgives. Do you know that's good news? God forgives. God restores. He makes all things new. The things we mess up, he renews those things. And in the goodness of God and the gospel of Jesus Christ, God uses people who fail. That's the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Great people will fail because all people will fail. In the gospel, we have redemption, we have forgiveness, we have a new start. And that brings us to the third thing. Here's the third thing. Walking in obedience requires the next step. Hear that again. That's a pretty deep thing. Walking in obedience requires the next step. Now what that means is, listen very carefully, yesterday's obedience is not enough. That's what that means. Walking in obedience requires you to take the next step. Yesterday's obedience is not enough. Here, here we have this, this story. We see this guy. Man, he's taken radical steps. He's trusted God. He actually left all things. 
He walked away from his family. He has sought to honor God. He has sought to obey God. More than that, he is worshiping the one true God. He built an altar to God. He is faithful. He's obedient. He's worshiping God. And yet none of that means a thing if he doesn't take the next step of obedience. Man, I want you to understand this. It's not a walk if you stop. It's not a walk if you stall out. And yesterday's obedience, as great as it was, we can talk about all oh, the great obedience shown yesterday. Yesterday's obedience doesn't mean a thing as radical as it was if you do not take the next step of obedience. Walking in obedience requires the next step. I finished that little part of the count. Next it's going to turn and He's going to head back and he's going to have Lot with him. He's going to be a wealthy man. But I, I finished that account. And really you've got to kind of sit back and maybe act like you're on a hill and, and just look at the account. Look what's happened here. I don't know how many days Abraham hated these events. You ever think sometimes maybe in the morning or maybe in the afternoon when he, he'd got on in years and his life had gone on and, and taken a different turn? How many days he regretted those days? How many days he sat somewhere and wished he hadn't said those things and done those things? And I don't know how many days he sat there and his heart was broken over the regret over the things that he did. I don't know how many nights that Sarah cried in the dark. I don't know. It doesn't tell us how many nights that she cried about the husband she had and the way she was treated and the things that she had to suffer. And as time goes on, you know, we can move on. But those hurts still stay with me. I don't know how long she was heart sick. I don't know how many times that even when things were good, she could look at Abraham and her heart became burdened. I don't know how much hurt. I don't know how much regret. I don't know how much heartache this brought all the way through the years. But I do know this. Listen very carefully. I do know God was faithful. I do know that God never wavered. And I know that God loved these two people as messed up as they were. I know that he was gracious to these people. I know that he loves them so much that out of the lineage of these two people comes one day our Savior Jesus Christ. The one that would repair all of these things. The one that would pay for all these things. The one that would take the hurt of these things and carry him far away. The shame of these things. He would walk him away and carry him to the cross of Calvary. Redemption was coming because God is gracious. Because God never wavered. That's why this story is here. It wasn't about the people. We messed up. They messed up. It was about the graciousness of a God that never wavers. Praise the Lord, we have a Savior, Jesus Christ. We fail, we mess up, all people do. We have a Savior, Jesus Christ. Glad you're here. I'm gonna ask if you'll stand. I'll lead us in a word of prayer. Father, we come, and I'm thankful for these truths. I'm thankful that you're, you're not trying to, to pull a carpet out from under us, try to make things appear one way when they're really another thing, that you tell us the bad along with the good. You show us the ugly when you show us the, the, the beautiful. So we come today, and I'm thankful that we can stand today and say, Lord, all people have fallen. All people have failed. All people have sinned. But we also know the Redeemer, the redemption for sin, Jesus Christ. 
Lord, I'm thankful that we can understand that it's obedience that comes from trusting you and we trust you when we know you. I pray for the folks in this room that our knowledge of you would grow as we study your word, as we hear your word, as we walk in your word, and that our obedience would grow instead. And Lord, I pray for us today as we, as we close out this session that we would understand a walk of obedience is only a walk as long as we take the next step. Lord, help us to obey. Help us to hear. Help us to discern. Help us to lead lives that would point to you, our God, that is faithful, gracious, and trustworthy. Lord, we thank you. We praise you. We honor you. And I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.